And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who can answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA, Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters has been providing you with a personal financial hotline for all your questions about investments, estate planning, tax planning, money management, and retirement planning for over 30 years. Well, this is... uh, this is Doug, Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner, and we're the Lewis family. I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And this is Linda Lewis, welcome, welcoming you once again to Money Matters with the Lewises on News Radio 680 WPTF. And this evening, our hearts go out to all the people in Paris and France in general, but especially to all those who have lost family members and loved ones and those who were wounded and still recovering from the terrible terrorist attacks, you are deeply in our hearts and our prayers. We are praying for you. Well, it was a terrible situation, but it also climaxed a strange week. The week in the markets was very unusual. Global stock markets actually stumbled as as China reported more weaknesses and expectations about a U.S. Federal Reserve interest hike that may probably, many people feel, be coming in December. Stock volatility grew grew very much last week. And then oil, the price of oil, the price of crude, tumbled close to $40 a barrel for U.S. West Texas Intermediate. It was a strange week. And, And with regard to China, the volumes subsided in October, both on the export and the import side, reflecting weaknesses both domestically and abroad. With regard to the Eurozone, the economy itself slowed down to a very slow growth. German slowdown brought down more from the Eurozone output. And all in all, it was not a very encouraging week. But in any market environment, our advice still is to strongly advise our clients and our listeners to stay diversified across a variety of asset classes Work with a certified financial planner, and you will, you will do well. That is so true because you know, um, if there's anything we know that's going to happen during a presidential election year, the twelve months, twelve to eighteen months around it, it's going to be volatility, and volatility can mean sharp or more frequent ups and downs. So while one day you might be cheering that your funds and your investments are up, and the next day you have a gaunt wrenching feeling of, oh, she's it's going down. At the same time, if you're working with a financial planner, you don't have to stomach that alone or um, try and figure out what you're going to do about that situation, but you stay to a course, a plan, something customized for you. 
So we are here tonight to answer your questions, 919-860-9783, and during the week, 919-872-7000. We're well, here. What's new in the world of retirement planning? Well, you know, 401k plans have always been somewhat of a, of a, of a, of a mystery to, to investors, Linda. And this past week, Intel, that was the big news, Intel sued for investing employee 401k funds in hedge funds. Now, the lawsuit alleges that there were participants invested in the tech firm's custom target date series and global diversified fund, which caused losses of hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes, a former employee is suing the officials at Intel for allegedly breaching their fiduciary responsibilities by investing defined contribution participants' retirement money in, quote, risky and high-cost, end quote, hedge funds and private equity funds. The lawsuit alleges 401k and profit-sharing participants who were invested in Intel's custom target date series and Global Diversified Fund lost hundreds of millions of dollars in the underlying hedge funds and private equity investments. Now, these two types of investments are risky to begin with. So to find out that a 401k, which is usually very conservative, right. has invested in two very uh, aggressive or speculative types of investments is shocking. But you know, I guess I'm sort of proud of this person for raising a lawsuit to say, you know, hey, you're supposed to have some some indication as to what would be conservative or not but to rely entirely on the 401k is the employee's number one mistake for a long time deborah linda i have been advising clients do not invest in target date funds because you don't really know what's happening underneath and this is this just uh illustrates what some of the risks are you don't know what you're investing in and they're based upon some sort of a of a what I would call a cockamamie model that yeah, says things formula. are going yeah a formula uh, that's not the way to risk your future retirement and so lo and behold we see sometimes things are not so conservative but very very risky you know the investment committee's allocation decisions not only deviated greatly from you know normal asset allocation models adopted by investment professionals and fiduciaries but also expose the plan and their participants to unreasonable costs, risky investments. And, and this is what the claim of the lawsuit is, is, is holding. Yeah, according to the court documents, beginning in 2011, the investment committee dramatically altered the asset allocation model for the Intel target date portfolios. So this should... Uh, alert you that if you do not know exactly what you are investing in your own 401k, hire a professional. That's what we will frequently do is we'll help you evaluate what's inside your employer's 401k plan. What are the options? What are the right options for you? And what, you know, don't, don't go at it alone. Try and find someone who can walk you through what's available and what would be best for you. One of the things that I notice among some of my peers is that they will give advice on investing 
the money that they have under their own investment parameters. Mm. But they don't generally say, well, we'll also give you advice on your 401ks. At Lewis Financial Management, we have always made it our principle that we will go ahead and give you advice on your personal portfolio of investments, your IRA portfolio of investments, your 401ks. We feel that you deserve advice in all areas. That's right. And this is something that just highlights the need, as you said, Deborah, for a certified financial planner to be involved in the client's yeah. world. Another thing, too, is if you're just uh, leaving an employer or if you are, um, you have a plan that uh, you've never rolled over or done anything with, this is another incentive. Find out how it can be moved into its into your own individual retirement account so that you can choose your investments so that you're not someone who's stuck just going, I didn't know any better. I thought I was in a safe investment. I, I didn't know how to choose. If you can have more control, then the better off you should be. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. If they can help you with your financial problems, the magic number is 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. You know, um, it is important for folks to to take a look at what's in the 401k, who is the current plan administrator. Many people are just so busy, they make the choice and life goes on. So true. But if there are any changes, you need to be alerted to those changes. And if you have any questions, it it. It is definitely worth all the time, energy, and the resources you would spend to have answers about your personal financial planning issues. And that's what we do at Lewis Financial Management. We're in Midtown Raleigh. We have been uh, advising clients for the last 32 years regarding every aspect of financial planning that you may have on your mind. So... If you have a question, call us at Lewis Financial Management. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. We'll be happy to schedule your appointment to get your questions answered. And I do want to remind our listeners, those that haven't seen our new website, go and watch our new website called DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. And there, if you haven't seen it, I think you'll enjoy some videos of us practicing, demonstrating financial planning in our offices, interviews with us, and so forth. And as Linda said, if you call our office for appointments this week, we will be giving away free books, either The Wealthy Barber, Middle Class Millionaire, or Simple Wealth, Inevitable Wealth. When you schedule an appointment. When you schedule an appointment. Absolutely. For tonight... Call us right now, 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Well, ladies, uh, Linda, Deborah, what's new in the world of estate planning? Well, there was a very interesting article about the power of planning together. And... uh, what an interesting article. It really was. Did it remind you of several different family situations we had worked with in our yes, office? Yes, indeed. There was this lady, and she was interviewed, and she said, you know, it hit me very hard when my husband Jim was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. 
He had a stem cell transplant that they said would prolong his life three to four years. And I'm just so thankful that he lasted seven. Those seven years were truly wonderful. So after Jim's diagnosis, Jackie, that's this lady's name, decided to retire from her longtime position as a director of a private school and to stay close to her husband. And that's what many people do is when life changes, we make an immediate change. And this was really good because she says, we found ways to block out the world and genuinely be together. And she goes on to say that they focused on their family because all of a sudden, Estate planning was much more than just forming wills and trusts. And she knew immediately this is not a do-it-yourself activity. Yes, Deborah, the, the key to a successful plan is to create an open dialogue with your family and involve them in the process. And how did Jim, this individual that passed away, he, he how did he get the conversation going in the beginning? Well, Jackie recalls that he persuaded her to put him in the center of the living room. And you can just imagine, you know, here they are at a family gathering and asked him pointed questions in front of the whole family. And in time, his openness rubbed off on all her siblings. And now their families have come together and everyone seems to feel comfortable talking about very sensitive financial issues and you know with thanksgiving coming up soon maybe this is a conversation that many families that are gathering together need to have so true and you know it's funny is i think the more we help families we're finding out that this is a multi-generational conversation so where it might have been that it, you know I don't know, maybe decades ago, it was just mom and dad, and they have a discussion about their own wealth. And when they pass away, then then junior and, and, you know, the sister, you know, find out what has happened. That's no longer the case. No. What we're finding out is that many families want to come in together, and they want the adult children to be involved in their 40s and 50s so that long before mom and dad are ailing or uh, in, incapable of taking care of themselves and, or their financial matters, that the children are aware of what's going on in mom and dad's situation, but also getting a really good education on how to, at a very, at a much earlier age than maybe mom and dad did, get on top of their own financial issues. You know, sometimes it's a sudden illness and other times it's a terminal illness, but you have time to prepare for the departure of the person that's ill. And as you said, Deborah, sometimes it's many family members maybe there's a family farm or a family business and everybody's been working and being busy and having children and etc etc taking vacations together but when an event such as a terminal illness or a car accident or dementia you know these conversations need to be had to to look at sensitive issues that are present and also to plan for the future and to prepare family members at at various stages. Well, and, and that's so true because what you ultimately realize is the smartest thing that you can do is hire a certified financial planner to help you and your family sort out these personal financial uh, issues and concerns. Because if you try and do it on your own, it's going to be more complicated and probably result in the uh, situation not being taken care of in the best manner. 
But Jackie was comfortable, this lady that was interviewed, with um, hiring someone because she knew she wasn't comfortable managing the portfolio that her husband had set aside uh, for the family after he took his payout and, and um, you know, his final year in his business, um, he invested these funds in a investment portfolio. Most of them were mutual funds, but she knew she wasn't going to be prepared to take care of this by herself. And she even says in the article, I'm not interested in making more money. I just want to maintain what I've got. And hopefully the money will live on as long as I do or longer. And uh, so they had a chance to create a portfolio that would create an income stream and it would hopefully last uh, for the remainder of her life since they knew he was passing and that there might even be something left to give to the kids. So after uh, her husband died, she had a financial planner that could help her through the necessary steps that required immediate attention, such as applying for Social Security, changing the, you know, transferring accounts into her own name, and she wanted to roll over her for her husband's 401k to an IRA. She wanted all of her accounts in one place instead of what we so often find. People have accounts here, there, everywhere, and... She also had been very open with her children about what she was doing and where everything was so that if anything ever happened to her, they would know where to get all, the, all her documents after she would die. But she also told them that her financial planner knew everything about their situation and was there to help them. Yeah, we often hear that. I've left a note on the office desk at home in case of emergency. Call Lewis Financial Management. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of funny, but it really is. Some of your thoughts are, well, who would know how to get started? And, um, you know, digging through anything if, God forbid, something did happen. Well, when asked what her parting advice for others was, she said, just get the family conversation started. It's just easier as everyone becomes more comfortable. So start talking about finances. When raising our children, nothing it was when we were raising our children, nothing was ever off the table, and that's how it should be. So I hope you enjoyed the article and take her advice. And this Thanksgiving, when you guys are all gathered around the table, take some time to start talking about uh, what would happen and uh, who would be the person you would contact. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family from Lewis Financial Management in Midtown Raleigh on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000 to schedule your appointment regarding your financial planning issues. We had some sort of a problem there. I think we'll maybe we'll pick it up and everything. But while we're waiting... See if we can catch our caller again. What's new in the area of tax planning? Was anything uh, new this past week in tax planning? Well, there certainly was a very interesting article last weekend about a shock of of a $24,000 tax bill. And that was in the Wall Street Journal. And uh, let me give you the scenario. Um, On October 13th, two days before the final 2014 tax filing deadline, An investor out of Phoenix received a surprise tax bill for $24,321. And it was for units of a master limited partnership uh, that was affiliated with Kinder Morgan uh, Incorporated that was held in his Roth 
individual retirement account. And the total included nearly 6000 of late filing fees and interest. Well, you can imagine what this man felt. He, here, he had a Roth IRA, and he had purchased an investment in um, his IRA, and he owed this money, and it was coming out of his IRA, uh, and it was the first that he had heard of it. Yeah, I think that many people aren't aware of what are MLPs or Master Limited Partnerships. These investments, and they are well known amongst investment people like myself for giving very high cash flow income. Uh, They do, indeed. They typically transport, store, produce, and refine energy and then pass out the bulk of their earnings to shareholders. Now, thousands of investors holding MLPs and IRAs at other firms could, and this is the risky thing, I think, from the news that we're hearing, they could face similar taxes that they're not aware of because you don't expect there to be taxes in an IRA. Right. The whole idea of an IRA is that... It's a uh, tax-deferred environment. It's a (laughs) tax-deferred environment. Exactly. And yet, this matter of taxation inside an IRA, and of course, you can imagine this chap here getting a bill for $24,000, that's a mind-blower. Well, the unexpected bills are painful reminders to investors, I think, that master limited partnerships or MLPs, uh, they can have tax traps. Yeah. So people need to understand what they're investing in, especially the taxes and the fees. I mean, really, you need to know what the rules are. Under the tax code, IRAs and Roth IRAs have significant benefits, such as tax-free growth. That's why we go into them. But when owners use IRA funds to invest in partnerships, as opposed to stocks, bonds, and funds, they owe tax on certain annual income from the partnership exceeding $1,000 because of an anti-abuse provision. This levy is known as Unrelated Business Income Tax, or UBTI. Its top rate of 39.6% can take effect at about 12000 of taxable income. Yeah, this is uh, this is something to always beware of. And we, uh, of course, all the time are looking at this in our own clients' portfolios to make sure there is no UBTI because UBTI is a, it's a terrible thing inside of an IRA. Well, then there's a further twist that happens is who pays the tax? Right. Well, who's responsible for it? When the tax is due, you would think it's John who owns the IRA, but no, it's not John. It's the custodian of the IRA, and it might be Pershing or Charles, uh, Schwab, or uh, uh, whoever whoever the custodian is, they're the ones that have to go ahead and uh, and deal with this. They got to sign, they got to file the tax return. They're responsible for obtaining a special tax ID number. Then not only they get filing and signing, the IRA owner is responsible, of course, for paying the tax. But because of this tremendous complexity, experts often, like myself, caution advisors, investors to avoid putting MLPs and publicly traded partnerships into IRAs. That's right. And a lot of this is because the custodian is really the person who's going to be telling the 
um, the IRS on a regular annual basis, hey, this is not really owned yet by Joe or Jane investor, and they don't owe taxes on it. So that's why the custodian will be the one who's responsible for having to pay the taxes, and it has to come out of that you know, that investor's account. So this should be a big caution for you. If you have any uh, questions as to whether or not any of your investments in your IRA or your Roth IRA might be running the risk of having an unrelated business income tax or UBIT. UBTI. Well, it's, it's said both ways. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. article here, oh. it's it's both. But um, but really, it's just knowing whether or not the there might be a tax that you might not know is looming in there. And if so, let's get ahead of it. Let's look at your IRA, your Roth IRA. Give us a call during the week at 919-872-7000. All right. Well, you know, there was a lot that happened this past week. I The cash flow story is coming into more and more focus as we come into the end of the year. Uh, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, what should we be doing? Uh, one, last week we talked about phantom income uh, on, on mutual funds. And I'm not sure how many people picked up on it, but it's a big deal because mutual funds this past year might have generated uh, what's, what we think of as phantom income and that will produce tax to the investors. Right. You could have a bad year. Your mutual fund actually went down. But inside the mutual fund itself, the manager, let's say, sold a security for a profit. And that profit's going to be passed out by percentage to each one of the mutual fund owners of those shares. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand how that can happen. But, oh, by the way, we should announce our numbers Give us our numbers, Debbie. Sure. Give us a call tonight at 919-860-9783. Call us tonight with your question in regard to financial planning. Whatever's on your mind, we're here tonight for the next half hour at 919-860-9783. Yeah, so let's picture how this can happen. You've got a mutual fund, and it's, it's been holding uh, some IBM stock for 15 years, and it's appreciated quite a bit. Right. Well, then let's say investors are getting scared. Some investors start cashing in parts of their mutual fund and want to be cashed out. Well, the manager, he's got to have cash. And if he doesn't have a bunch of cash in his fund, he has to go ahead and sell some of, let's say, some of his, some of his IBM. Right. He sells some of his IBM, and now he's generating a capital gains tax, which is going to have to be passed on to the stockholders of the fund. So he's got to generate that to get cash to pay out the investors and that tax will be reported as capital gains that 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 taxable event will be reported to investors at the end of the year as a capital gain which they have to pay tax on a so distribution right it will be a distribution lender that's exactly right and so what's happening now is a lot of the funds are announcing what will be the expected capital gains in your in your funds and at our office, we've gotten notice of about 40 funds already whose capital gains are expected and so on. So what should you do? Well, let's say that you like that mutual fund that you're in and it's dropped in value over the past year, but you don't want to let go of the fund. And yet, if you hold on to it, you're going to have to pay a big tax because of gains that have been announced. 
One strategy which we are implementing in our office is we can go ahead and sell that fund now, moving it into another fund. With a low or with no zero capital, capital yeah, gains One that has expected. announced there won't be any capital gains mm-hmm. issues. And at the same time, go ahead and wait 30 days, or at least wait until after those capital gains have been announced and then move back into the fund. Correct. And that is what we're talking about, avoiding the phantom income. It also hits investors who are thinking of going into the funds for the first time. That's right. We've had several of those this past uh, week and and really over the last month in forward thinking going, well, we don't want to go into a fund with a expected capital gain, you know, distribution coming. So we'll go into a fund that is uh, not expecting a capital gain distribution until after the distribution is made and made, and then moving into the fund that you want. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. There's still plenty of time left in the show and plenty of lines open just for you so that the Lewis family can help you with your financial planning problems. Magical number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. Well, what's new in the world of cash flow planning? Well, Linda, I get a lot of these uh, questions in regard to, well, what's the best way to pay for home repairs, credit card consolidation, tuition payments? And I thought I would point out the differences between a home equity loan and a HELOC, which is short for a home equity line of credit. So if you have a mortgage and some home equity, you may wish you could somehow tap into that equity to pay bills particularly if you have big expenses. And in in many cases, you can. So occasions when you might want to do that might include, as you said, paying tuition, buying some new home appliances, paying for your home. If you're going to remodel or put a new, uh, new roof or consolidating any debt. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a whole issue here of, number one, how do I figure out how much equity I actually have? And then should I go with a home equity loan or should I go with the HELOC? I'm recommending these all the time to clients. But first, you have to figure out how much equity you've gotten. To do is you subtract the amount and you still owe uh, $50,000 on your mortgage or $100,000 on your mortgage. Okay, well, you have to go ahead and take that away from the value of the home and then comes the equity. And then from there, it depends on whether your bank will give you 80% of the equity as a home equity loan or a HELOC or maybe even 90%. But that's the first thing. And then there are a couple ways that you can borrow and you have to decide which one works best for you. They, they both work similarly. They have some things in common and they also work differently. Uh, Both of them require that the home be used as collateral, just like a normal mortgage was. And just like a normal mortgage, you're going to have to uh, realize that if you can't uh, make your payments, you can have your home. Right. You run the risk of losing your home. Right. Uh, (laughs) And then when the home is sold, you know, it all be repaid. Right. But then the biggest difference between a home equity loan and a home equity line of credit is the home equity loan is an installment loan, just like a car loan, where you're going to make a fixed payment for a set period of time in order to pay it back. A home equity line of credit is different. 
Uh, I like the home equity lines of credit. I like the HELOCs a lot because they're they're like revolving credit. You might be approved for a HELOC of, let's say, uh, $300,000, but you haven't borrowed any money. You've just approved for it. And now let's say you need $15,000 or $20,000. You just write a check and then maybe you pay it back when you when the money comes in or whatever. That's it's, right. It's a revolving credit line. Once you repay what you owe, your credit limit is once again limited. I mean, I'm sorry, it's once again available. It, it, starts, it goes right back up again. Both of these are secured by your home, as I said. And in most cases, you're going to need at least 20% equity to apply. Uh, uh, there's another attractive option on both of them. Yeah, that is that you can often write off the interest on your taxes. It's important to understand that when you use your home to secure a loan, if you should default, your home could be foreclosed on, even if the original mortgage is in good standing. But that little benefit of being able to write off the interest on your taxes might be appealing. So how do you choose between the two? In general, if something has a known fixed cost, you might want to use a home equity loan that will cover it. That way you'll know for certain exactly how long you'll be paying and what your payments will be. A home equity line of credit may be used to pay bills associated with an emergency, a medical emergency, or a recurring bill, like tuition payments. These things that the final amount isn't really known. Or you could use it for a home remodel that you're paying for in stages. Its flexibility makes it especially useful if you're not sure what the total amount you'll need to borrow will be. A home equity line of credit typically has a time-limited draw period during which you can withdraw money against your home equity and adjustable interest rates. And you may only have to repay interest during the draw period. However, the feature can also make overspending a temptation. And when the p- draw period ends, the principal must be repaid. Yeah, there, there are pluses and minuses on both sides of the HELOC or the home equity loan. Of course, as you said, Deborah, the, uh, the interest rate floats it goes up and down, and that's one of the things that people don't like about the HELOCs. Uh, also, I, you, um, I guess uh, one of the things that's nice about the HELOC right. is that you don't have to pay the principal. That's right. In many cases, you can just pay interest, interest only. only. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I, the home equity loan, you lock in that payment, that interest rate, and that payment. And you know exactly what it is. So there's pros and cons in both cases. I've recommended in both cases to my clients. And if you are in that situation, I think you could use our help. We'd be happy to help you with it. Call us at Lewis Financial Management. We're in Raleigh at Quail Corners, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. And for tonight, we're still waiting for some of your calls, 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Well, Doug, Linda, did you have some tax ideas or tips on 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 timely, um, you know, some uh, some advice that maybe our listeners could use? Well, of course, it's year end, and we're coming into that time when everybody wants to uh, uh, figure out what can I do, uh, what should I be doing, and everything. I uh, I would say. One of the most important things is to rebalance now, not later. This year's market swings might have caused a lot of portfolios to get out of whack. And so uh, I like the idea of rebalancing, but the general idea is to make sure that 
uh, you're watching the gains and the losses. Also, um, people should look at what is the uh, proportion of their risk in their portfolio. Right, Doug? Oh, you have to. You have to realize you can't let the tax tail wag the dog. Uh, you've got to go ahead and look at the amount of risk. You know, I, one of the things that we are doing as far as our clients, we are uh, we're, we're dealing with the matter of loss harvesting. And this is something that we do every year, harvesting losses and gains and seeing what we can do. Uh, the, the whole idea of loss harvesting is uh, it's not that sophisticated. You can get in trouble if you do it wrong, but it can be very valuable if you do it right. Because as year end approaches, a lot of investors are going to sell the things that have uh, gains thinking that they're doing fine. On the other hand, that's right. What about if you've got losses in something that you enjoy, that you want to keep? <laughs> that's right. So you, that's right. Let's say there's nothing wrong with the manager. There's nothing wrong with the fund. There's nothing wrong with the underlying investing. Well, how do you make that choice? You really have to use some skill while you say it's not that complicated, but it definitely is something that has to be time sensitive. There are a lot of things I think in the in in just investment planning that people forget to take advantage of, and this is generally the time when things are most important as far as uh, paying attention. So, if you have a question about your investment planning and year-end planning, give us a call tonight at nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three, or during the week at nine one nine eight seven two seven thousand. Well, David, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Yeah, I'm interested in uh, charitable remainder trust. We're a two-career couple with no children. Two-career couple. How old are you? Uh, 49 and 46. 49 and 46. Your income and hers? Uh, uh, 150. 100,000 and 50,000. No children. Right. Okay. Now, let me ask you a couple of uh, devil's advocate questions, for example. Sure. What is it that attracts you, and what do you, why do you want a charitable trust? Usually, I'm the one recommending uh, it. I, I would like to leave a significant amount of money to a university in the name of my father. All right. Outstanding. Now, the charitable remainder trust is, in my opinion, and I think Linda would agree with me, the most powerful financial planning tool available today. It can do about four things at once. You have to really walk carefully through the arrangement to make it work right. But the first thing you can do, and the, and the only thing you ought to be careful of, is learn who not to do it with. You want to not make the trustee the charity. You want to be the, char the trustee yourself. So we want to set up a charitable remainder trust. How, uh, are you thinking of transferring real estate or cash or securities? What were you thinking of putting into this trust? Uh, a combination. Uh, a real estate partnership. Uh, Can't do a real estate partnership. What else? Uh, cash. You can do cash. Uh, securities. You can do securities. Uh, and you can do real estate. You can do real estate if there's no mortgage on it. Okay. And uh, and uh, life insurance. I uh, can't do life insurance. There are special rules on doing life on on giving life insurance to the charitable trust. That's okay. a tricky one. All right. About how much are you, are, you, are you thinking of putting into this charitable trust? About a half million dollars. All right. You can, here's what you can do. Number one, and you want to work with a financial planner who is experienced in the area of charitable trust. But number one, we want to establish a charitable remainder unit trust, and I would recommend a NIMCRUD. 
They come in different flavors, if you will. There is the charitable trust called the straight charitable trust. Then there is the net income charitable trust. And then there's the net income with a payout provision or an IOU account. And that's the uh, makeup account, the M of NIMCRUT. So I would use a NIMCRUT. We establish this charitable remainder trust. We make it a NIMCRUT. And we identify you as the trustee. So you're going to transfer from your own name this half million dollars of assets into your name as trustee of this charitable trust. We're going to then identify you and your wife as the income beneficiaries for the remainder of your lives. You now then will be paying yourself income for the rest of your lives. so that And you will control all of the investments in this NIMCRUD. The key to establishing it is the payout rate. Since you're young and your income is high, and I presume your expenses are not $150,000. Uh, All right. If that's the case, then we want to set the payout rate as low as permissible by law. And the reason is the amount that grows inside this charitable trust will grow into the millions at your age. Not only is it going to give you a tax deduction on your income taxes, then you're building up what's called an IOU account, the makeup account inside this charitable trust so that let's say 10 years from now when you're 59, you can start to pull out as much as $200,000, dollars $400,000 for yourself and for your wife uh, for retirement income needs as you see fit according to your makeup account. The key is the trustee. The other thing is I would advise you do not make your charitable beneficiary irrevocable. You can change the, bear, the, 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 the beneficiary as many times as you want during your lifetime. Does that kind of help, David? Yeah, man, it helps a lot. It's about I think we got a caller. Call. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis family, only on News Radio 680 WPTF. If you've got money problems, the Lewis family can, of course, help you out. The number is 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. Well, what's new in the world of retirement planning? Well, there are a lot of retirement facts, and I thought uh, we might go over a few things that might prompt some callers. If you've got a question about your retirement plan at work or your individual retirement account, give us a call. But here's some things to think. Now, a lot of people are scared by the fact that they're going to be living much longer because of longer, healthier lives. And we are in an area era of disappearing pensions. Social Security offers one of the few sources of retirement income for life. But new rules that would take effect in 2016 will eliminate the most valuable claiming strategies for future retirees. So living a longer amount of time means you've got a longer time to be in retirement. Another retirement fact that you need to consider is withdrawing too much from your retirement plan. One of the worst parts of a down market is withdrawing even a conservative amount of money from a shrieking nest egg, which can have a devastating long-term effect on all of your assets. Yeah, what about quitting too soon? Americans are living longer, but many are retiring at the same ages as their parents and grandparents. That means retirement could extend for 20 or 30 years or even longer, a very long time to survive without earnings. The fourth retirement fact to consider is that you thought you were empty nesters, but you may not be so, so much of an empty nester because your kids may have left home, but you're still paying 
for their health insurance, for their cell phone bills, or their car payments, and maybe you're even helping out your elderly parents. So it's hard enough to save for retirement without the added burden of supporting additional family members. That's right. Falling short, many people get concerned, and dialing down risk means workers may have to contribute more each year to reach their retirement goals. The new rule of thumb is that workers should aim to save 15% of their gross income, including employer contributions, and even more if you get a late start. The sixth retirement fact is that many people just take too much risk. So older workers who have not saved enough for their looming retirement may be tempted to allocate an inappropriate portion of their portfolio and putting them in speculative investments or in do-it-yourself techniques. So it's important to work with a qualified, certified financial planner to review your financial goals and to make sure that asset allocations are appropriate for you, your spouse, and your family. And remember that selling into a down market merely looks, locks in a loss. Now, there might be some Medicare considerations. Although 70% of retirees don't have to worry about higher Medicare premiums because they are protected by this new hold harmless provision during years where there is no cost of living adjustment in Social Security benefits, they may lose buying power on other fronts. Look for alternative ways to boost retirement income. Deborah Linda, let's take Bill's call because we're running tight on time. Bill, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? Yes, sir. I have a question regarding charitable trust. Yes, sir. Can you transfer annuity into a charitable trust? Uh, No. An annuity, uh, you, you wouldn't transfer it into it. I mean, well, all right, let me back up for a second. Has the annuity been annuitized? Uh, yes, it's a 10-year. All right, once you've annuitized it, then you cannot transfer it into a charitable trust. However, uh, if an annuity has not been trans- has not been uh, annuitized, then it is possible to go ahead and do so. Uh, it's not the best move. Many a time, we use the, what's called the NIMCRUT as a strategy, where we use the net income with a makeup provision. And in the old days, when we did these back in the 80s and the 90s, we would actually use annuities inside of charitable trust. Right now, they're not that uh, that popular. Tell me a little bit about yourself, um, Bill. How old are you? 80. 80 years old. And tell me, uh, are you married or, or a single? No, I am married. My wife is 76. All right. Tell me about your, uh, are you, uh, of course, you're both retired, right? Yes, sir. All right. What do your assets look like? What, uh, what what investments do you have that are not in in retirement plans? Oh, about half a million. And what is it? What are they invested in? Well, we have annuity and some stocks. Uh, stocks. All right. Now, the individual stocks. Do they have much gains to them? Uh, reasonable, so. All right. Do you have any uh, retirement uh, investments in IRAs or four hundred one ks or any retirement plans? Oh, all right. Do you have any uh, any land or appreciated uh, uh, properties? Well, we have a house. No, not your residence. About half a million. No, I uh, no, not the house would not be a, a something you would consider. 
Uh, how about children? Do you have children that you're uh, interested in leaving your estate to? Yes, we have three children and six grandkids. One of the things, now on the annuity, how much is the annuity worth, do you think? Uh, 300000 And when you say it's already annuitized, what, what exactly are you, you're already, you've, do you understand the difference between annuitizing and taking withdrawals? But what, what does that mean, annuitized? An annuit, when you annuitize an annuity, you are, you're making an irreversible move that you can never change that says, I'm going to get a check for the rest of my life, and when I die, the insurance company keeps everything. No, we have it for 10 years. When you say we have it for 10 years, uh, help me understand what you mean when you say you have it for 10 years. Well, we sign it for 10 years. And then at the end of 10 years, the insurance company keeps everything? No, 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 we, we get everything back, yeah. Okay, then you, it doesn't sound to me like you have annuitized. By the way, Jim, uh, Bill, write down my office number, 919-872-7000. Okay. And uh, I think it might be wise for you to come in for a consultation, you and your wife. Uh, if you have not annuitized, then there's some very wise moves you can make, I. Uh, that you should be making, uh, you your portfolio. We don't like annuities usually, uh, yeah. be, because they are so often there's so many fees inside that are going to the insurance company that you can achieve your objectives in a much better way. On the other hand, I'd be very happy to look at your annuity and to tell you what options you can take. The best news is if you have not annuitized. Uh, that three hundred yeah, thousand. By just making a withdrawal, it doesn't sound like Bill that you have actually annuitized. And when you add to that the feature that you'll be able to get it back, that might be very uh, hopeful or positive that we could do some real planning around that. Well, what sources of income do you have, Bill? Well, Social Security, I, I have pension, couple of pension. My wife gets couple of pension. Mm-hmm. Uh. And uh, we get it some from the annuity every month. Mm-hmm. And he's over seventy and, and a half, social so he must security. be taking an RMD and from the annuity. Security. And yeah. you get social security as well. Yeah. Well, our income is around seventy thousand a year now. Okay. And do you know it's what your expenses are? Fifty percent of what we used to make. Yeah. So about how much are your expenses on an annual basis now? Around maybe forty, forty thousand, and yeah. then on top of that is taxes. So uh, it sounds like you could use financial planning. It really does. We might be able to um to show you some things that you can do that you have not considered. Well, okay, sir. <laughs> well, but the annuity itself, the reason that you give something to a charitable trust, is because you're looking for a way to sell it and not pay the tax on the gain. Yes, yes. And uh, and the one big drawback would be you disinherit children. Right. What so, goes into a charitable trust cannot go out to the children. Oh, they cannot. Never. No. There are actually, yeah, there are actually six players to a charitable trust. There is the donor. That's the person who sets up the trust and gives what he wants to give into the trust. And then the second person is the trustee. Yes. Now, we like to have you as your own trustee. Yes. The third person is the income beneficiary who receives the income from the charitable trust. 
which would be us. Yes. That's right. Yes. But the fourth party is the charity. Yes. The charity gets everything that's left in that charitable trust at now, the time. What would be the maximum that we could get from the charitable trust? There's a formula that I have to use inside my office with software, but there is what's the minimum that you can take from a charitable trust is 5%. The maximum is 50%. And there's a formula that sets it. And once you have set it, it can never be changed. Uh, Uh Generally, we like to take, I've done them, I've done many, many of these through the years. Uh, I have done them as high as 12%. Yeah, and I've taken them as low as five percent. You get the bigger tax deduction, the lower the payout percentage. But two uh, things to think about, Bill, would be first you have to have something that is either appreciated in value, and you don't want to pay the capital gains tax on it. He's thinking the annuity, and if it's the annuity, then I don't know if this would be possible, but you can do life, maybe uh, twenty years. Yes, go the, into the children's the, level. It gets complicated, you, but can be very quickly simplified. Um, what, I th- yeah, what Deborah's saying is that when we have a client who's in their 80s or 80 years old or 70s, then the period of the trust that we set up, we generally think it should go longer than just for life because there's you can you can go as long as 20 years uh-huh. before the charity gets anything. Yes, and that gives income all the way past the first generation's death to the second generation and then goes to the charity. And what we like to do, we like the charity to be a family foundation. Well, we're thinking about the church. And the church is an excellent option. Uh, There are ways to make it a foundation that pays the church forever or there are ways to make it lump sum. Uh, Are Are you wanting to increase the monthly income for you and your wife? Not necessarily. No, we we are comfortable the way we are now. Then you would want the largest tax deduction. Basically, yes. The the largest tax deduction is on the lower payout. So you set a 5% payout. The IRS will not let you go below 5%. But if you Uh, set a 5% payout and you give 300000 to the charitable trust, you could probably get something as close to Maybe seventy, eighty thousand dollars of of deduction on three hundred. Yeah, yeah. What did you? How much was the investment in the in the annuity? Well, a little over uh, three hundred. But that's how much you invested. Yes. Okay. When did you buy it? Two years ago. Okay, so it hasn't got a lot of appreciation. Now, well, I, uh, about eight percent. Okay. No, I would. Uh, yeah, I would love to meet with you, Bill. I think that if you go ahead and call my office, I'll be happy to schedule a meeting to meet with you and go over all aspects of your financial plan, including your estate and your taxes. Sir, thank you very much for your advice. Thank you for calling. Have a wonderful week, Bill. Remember, your financial future is at stake. been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah 
in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.